The Oklahoma Sooners have the brightest future at quarterback, but ESPN doesn't think so. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, future quarterback rankings. It's that time of the year where... We're getting all kinds of power rankings about all kinds of things. ESPN likes to do the future rankings. Well, they launched their quarterbacks. Adam Rittenberg last week ranked the Oklahoma Sooners third in the nation in future quarterback rankings behind USC at number one, Ohio State at number two. And I guess you can make an argument for USC being number one with the Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams. Then you got Malachi Nelson coming in right behind him. But I think Oklahoma's situation is just as good beyond 2023 as anybody in the country. Yeah, with Jackson Arnold being the the five-star signee that he is that's already on campus. And, you know, I I don't know what difference it it would make if you already had the Hawkins commitment in tow when this uh, article had been published. Obviously, that hasn't happened yet, though we suspect that's going to be happening within uh, the next two weeks. You, you've got the the Sperry commitment down the road. And, oh, by the way, probably there's another quarterback that we don't know of yet that will be coming to Oklahoma between now and then. So, you know, and, and it's, I think, important to keep in mind, too, John, it is great respect to be ranked number three nationally in the future quarterback rankings and oh by the way this time a year ago Oklahoma was ranked seventh according to uh what Rittenberg's rankings a year ago so they've actually they've climbed four spots based on how last season played out with Oklahoma and Levy and so and that's even with some defections uh with the Nick Evers transferring so but you know you added Jackson Arnold all of which is to say again I know that probably a lot of people are going to get hung up on who's number one and the fact that Oklahoma's two spots behind USC, I would have a, a tough time, John, until you know we, we see Jackson Arnold play. Just the recent quarterback play of Ohio State, I kind of understand them being a notch above Oklahoma right now. But uh, look, being number three is not all bad. No, I'm going to take offense to this, Josh, because Jackson Arnold is arguably the best quarterback in the country for the 2023 cycle. Malachi Nelson's up there. Arch Manning's up there. But where do they put Texas? Four spots behind Oklahoma in the future quarterback rankings. So it goes to show what ESPN thinks about the difference between Jackson Arnold and Arch Manning. Now, Malachi Nelson, really good quarterback. I think Oklahoma, we would be thrilled if he was Oklahoma's quarterback. If Lincoln Riley would have stayed, a future would have been very bright with Malachi Nelson as well. So obviously the difference being Dylan Gabriel, Caleb Williams right now, but you throw in the wild card of Kevin Sperry, 
who's currently unrated, which I think he's going to be a four-star kid at minimum with the chance to be a five-star by the end of the 2025 cycle. And you're looking at a really, really bright future. Yes, you don't have the Michael Hawkins commitment to add into that future quarterback ranking, but with Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator, it's hard not to argue that Oklahoma's got one of the best kind of quarterback situations in all of college football. Yeah, you got Ryan Day up at Ohio State. They do a great job up there, but they've got quarterback question going into the season. They're going to have a competition to figure out who their quarterback is. I mean, Quinn Ewers had a solid season in his first year as a starter, but it wasn't anything that gave Texas fans a, like 100% confidence that you know he's going to be the future. And yeah, Caleb Williams, I mean, he's the truth. He's got a chance to win the Heisman for the first or back-to-back Heismans for the first time since the 70s. So I, I won't like hate on USC being number one, but I think Oklahoma's future at quarterback is just as bright as what USC has to offer. Now, will that translate to wins in 2023? Because that's the big difference right now is USC's coming off of what 11 win season. They you know just missed out on the college football playoff. They have the Heisman trophy winner where Oklahoma went six and seven. Dylan Gabriel had a good season, not a great season, but he had a really good season. So now it's a matter of, okay, you take the good quarterback play, you stack wins together. And I think that changes a bit of the narrative, maybe even surrounding Dylan Gabriel, but a little bit about what Oklahoma's future is as a team. But I think again, with Jackson Arnold, Kevin Sperry beyond 23, the future is as bright as anybody in the country. Well, and Oklahoma over the last quarter century has had the brightest production of anybody in college football at the quarterback position. There's nobody. I mean, there might be individual seasons. Sure. There's been better pro careers. Yes. But college football, the output out of the last quarter century, nobody in college football can top what uh, Oklahoma has done. I'll entertain some arguments that at times, you know, USC has matched it. If you date all the way back to a Matt Minard or, you know, individually, you know, some of what you saw at different places has uh, has matched maybe individual seasons of Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. But collectively, when you think about when you think about Heupel and uh, you think about White and you think about Bradford and you think about Mayfield and you think about Murray and you think about Hurts even for a brief moment. Oh, by Andrew the way, Jones. Landry Jones, and I would hate to – I'm glad you said his name because I would hate to leave him out of this. I think that so often he gets, you know, kind of unfair criticism just because he was the guy that followed Sam Bradford. So the the level of quarterbacking in Norman has been elite for a long, long time. It'll continue to be that. The standard, that hasn't changed at all. I have every reason to believe it'll remain that way. I would just say when I look at this for Oklahoma, John – I do think probably Rittenberg and others to some degree fairly after last season in key spots, Oklahoma didn't deliver even as good as they were offensively in key spots. There were moments where Oklahoma didn't go get first downs that they'd gotten in the past. Again, I get it. The standard of Heisman trophy winners and number one overall draft picks for Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. That's, that's a hefty bar, right? But that is the Oklahoma bar of recent history. And it wasn't quite that. So I can understand where maybe there's a little bit, John, to where they say, okay, well, we have to go off what we saw in 2022 with Jeff Levy leading the offense. We love what what you've got in your quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. We're very excited about what the future looks like in Jackson Arnold. And yet you'd have to say that offensively Oklahoma, they weren't as good as the two teams above them last season. 
in this ranking? No, I mean, Ohio State, their their offense was so, it was interesting, you know, with so much talent that they had, they weren't, they could have been better. I feel like there was that narrative kind of followed Ohio State for a lot of the, the season and CJ, CJ Stroud in particular, where it didn't seem like the offense was living up to expectations last year for them. So I feel like Oklahoma and Ohio State were on similar kind of playing fields in that respect, the offense may not have been meeting expectations. Now the results very different. Ohio state was winning a lot more games. They made it into the college football playoff. They made it to the national championship game. So very different circumstances and situations. Sorry, not the national championship game. They made it to the college football playoff. Um, so yeah, I get it. I get, you know, CJ Stroud, you know, they Ohio state's had some really, really highly productive quarterbacks under Ryan day at Ohio state as well. So again, it's it's you know small you know differences in these schools but still i again i think oklahoma's future is as bright as anybody in the country and if you land a michael hawkins i mean that quarterback room for 2023 2024 2025 is going to be absolutely ridiculous in norman and the the amount of talent that you're going to be able to pass the quarterback baton onto it's like the u.s olympic four by 100 meter team anchored by carl lewis like that's how good the quarterback situation is going to be going from Dylan Gabriel to Jackson Arnold to hopefully Michael Hawkins to Kevin Sperry. And then who knows what comes on beyond that, but just that four QB run right there is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't think it's anything that we've ever seen the amount of talent that could potentially be in this room over the next four years. Uh, Even when you had, you know, Baker and Kyler and I mean, you might have those two, but did you have three guys that, were highly capable quarterbacks of playing really high level power five football at the same time. I mean, to me, that kind of reminds me a bit of the Alabama situation where they had Hertz and Tagovailoa and Mac Jones in the room all at the same time. Um, so yeah, interesting. Or was it Tagovailoa Jones and Bryce young all the same? I can't remember the timelines. I got my multiversal timeline all messed up right now. Uh, didn't sleep enough last night uh, in anticipation of my daughter's birthday. So, all that to say, Oklahoma's future is bright. It's going to be exciting to see. We got preview from Athlon Sports that we're going to riff off. There's a few questions they're asking that we'll give our answers to. Go ahead, Josh. One last thing on quarterback futures. Yeah, I, I just before we move on, and yes, there's a spring preview out there that we need to touch on from, from Athlon. I just – some other things from this list that I find to be interesting, okay? These are not Oklahoma-related. Kansas, by virtue of Jalen Daniels, was – inside this ranking TCU was 23rd Kansas was 22nd K-State was higher than both of those two according to Rittenberg as the 17th uh that's largely of course because of Will Howard and then two other notes that I found that were were pretty interesting I probably almost just based on Drake May would think UNC would be higher but they weren't they were 19th Clemson all the way back at 20 I think is a very very interesting development So they've got some questions to be answered there. And then, you know, Florida State and Tennessee at nine and eight. Those are a couple of programs that maybe we need to be on the lookout for, especially Tennessee with what uh, Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel did last season. Those could be programs that are on the on the rise on this list. Yeah. And they've got Nico as well coming in you have the 2023 class so they've got a really highly productive quarterback coming in as a freshman as well so the future is pretty bright uh, for the volunteers but josh we'll touch on athlon sports oklahoma spring preview we'll give our thoughts to some of the questions that they asked uh in 
who's going to be a breakout wide receiver? You probably heard my answer if you're a subscriber to Locked On Sooners, but we'll go through that here after Josh talks to y'all about FanDuel. Ah, yes, FanDuel. Here we come down the home stretch. Just a few games here left in the Oklahoma City Thunder season. Can they make the postseason? What do the NBA playoffs look like? We're about to find out. And as we find out, it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers, you get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. So if you, you get one of these wagers wrong, no sweat first bet. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com backslash locked on. That is FanDuel.com backslash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Athlon, like it, love it, hate it. How are they feeling about the Oklahoma Sooners? So the first question is, can the Sooners regain form? I mean, we've talked about it several times, but really for Oklahoma to return back to Big 12 title contention, it's going to take what? The defense seeing significant improvement. You you can't average 30 points per game allowed and expect this team to improve from six wins to 10. 11 wins. I mean, you might be able to get six or you know seven or eight wins by having a similar defense, just being better in, in the fourth quarter, being better in red zone, being better uh, third down efficiency on, on offense. You could win a few more games, but you're not winning 10 games, giving up 30 points per game. It's just not going to happen. So that's kind of the first thing that has to happen. The defense just has to get better. Really simple, really simple, Josh. Secondly, they believe Dylan Gabriel is going to have a big season in his return. Where do you land on that? Stock up, stock down, given all the offensive uh, departures to the NFL draft. Well, I, I mean, I think he had a pretty good season a year ago, passing for over 3,100 yards, 25 touchdowns, just just the six picks. So he was, you know, really good at taking care of the football. And, you know, I'm not ready to say that he's just – light year is going to surpass that this season because again, you get to question three and it is okay. Hey, are you going to find the go-to receiver? Who is that go-to receiver going to be? And I would even go beyond just that. I mean, it's just the, what does the totality of the weapons look like for Oklahoma? I would imagine that OU's got enough skill talent on the roster, John, to make this thing work. They've, uh, of course, Dayton Bass back to last offseason supplemented it out of the transfer portal with a couple of guys that we're still waiting to see take those next steps in LB Bunkley, Shelton, and J.J. Hester. But I would imagine that one of those two, in addition to the transfer portal edition that you picked up in Andrell Anthony, and then the signees from a year ago added on to the signees of this season, you, you have some options we just haven't seen any of these guys really be productive yet? We've seen some from Jaleel Farouk. Obviously, uh, Drake Stoops we've seen a good bit of production from. But if you, if I knew what those numbers looked like for the, let's say, number three and number four wide receivers for Oklahoma, then I'd have a much better idea or you know comfort level telling you, yes, Dylan Gabriel will have a similar season or better season than he did in 2022. I think he will, John, but I don't really have anything 
definitive to stand on to feel that way other than, hey, he's got a comfort in what Jeff Levy and Oklahoma want to do. And I think he's a really good quarterback. And I trust that Oklahoma is going to find skill guys to go make plays. But again, it would feel much better if we knew more about what this skill operation looked like for OU. So the way I kind of look at it is they might be less explosive. Like they might not hit as many big plays like they did a year ago with Marvin Mims. But I do think they're going to be more efficient in that. I think like a guy like Jalil Farouk. Yeah, he can win down the field. But where does he win best? Like he's you know zero to 15 yards down the field. That's where his game really thrives because he's a bigger, stronger, you know, guy and he, he does a lot after the catch and so you want to get him the ball quickly into open space let him win let him beat a guy with his physicality and make plays after the catch and i think that's where they can potentially be a little bit more efficient in the offense is having a guy that like jaleel farouk who's your number one wide receiver now get a majority of those targets like you know as opposed to you know expecting marvin mims to you know be the guy you know doing every single thing now you have jaleel farouk who i think this is no slide against Marvin Mims. I just think Farouk's skill set puts him in a better position to have a, a bigger impact because he, he does a lot of the things that Jeff Levy wants a wide receiver to be able to do in an offense, you know, run a, a, a varied route tree, do stuff behind the line of scrimmage, whether it's catching screen passes, catching the jet or doing the jet sweep, the reverse. And we saw him take some wildcat, you know, handoffs as well uh, during the Texas game. So he's just a guy that I think is going to do do a lot in this offense he's going to get a lot of touches i think they'll give him a lot of work because he was productive in the work they gave him this past season had a few drops at times but yeah that that's just one of those things that happens to everybody happened to marvin mims who's going to be a you know second round draft pick in the 2023 nfl draft uh so i I feel okay about it i mean every season in college football you're always going to have turnover that leaves you questioning what are you going to get we had this question about the running back room last year we weren't sure what Oklahoma was going to get out of Eric Gray and Marcus Major and the freshman. Well, Eric Gray had a breakout year, a career year that's going to have him drafted in the top, you know, three or four rounds uh, in the NFL draft. So I, I think the same could be true for the wide receiver room in that, okay, maybe we have questions about it now where we have a lot of doubt, but I think there's enough talent there with Emmett Jones leading the way in the room and the the number of guys that they've kind of brought into the situation like they've thrown numbers at the problem and they're going to let that kind of marinate and see kind of who rises out of that group to to take on a significant role for them uh the last couple things that athlon touched on here josh the transfer to watch they mentioned deshaun mccullough i think deshaun mccullough that's the dude that everybody's got their eye on right he he was highly regarded going to indiana coming in the transfer portal the number one edge prospect in the transfer portal, and now is going to play cheetah for the Sooners. Long, lanky dude that can do a lot of different things for you. Everybody's going to have their eye on him, right? Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he's the name that if that clicks defensively for Oklahoma, and that could be in a number of different roles. I mean, obviously, it sounds like cheetah's a very realistic possibility for McCullough, but he's going to be on the field, I think, in – some way, shape, or form in a starting role, whether whether that's Cheetah or one of the you know typical linebacker spots, John, or if you just line him up and he he gets some edge rusher snaps. I think that he's too talented to not be on the field for Oklahoma. And uh, if he's really really good, then probably this defense overnight can make uh, can make some serious leaps. If he's as good as 
I don't even know if it's as good as advertised, John, or as good as just, I think people, myself, yourself, a lot of people don't want to speak for you here, but a lot of people that feel he's going to be coming into Oklahoma. Yeah, I think he's going to be good, but I think in addition to him, the the talent that they added defensively, I spoke about it with Parker Thune on 94.7 The Ref yesterday, where it's just the totality of guys that they brought in on defense, McCullough, Ronald Bothroyd, Reggie Pearson, uh, you know, Jacob Lacey, Davin Sears, Trace Ford. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else in there, but the amount of dudes that they brought in to add competition at edge, the defensive line, at safety, they attacked weaknesses. They attacked areas where they've got a lot of concern and added talent to it. They added competition. That competition is going to help make everybody better. Reggie Grimes spoke of that today. I mean, he's part of one of the position position groups that they brought in, you know, several guys that could have an impact um, at edge. And, and so seeing that competition kind of come to fruition is going to be good for everybody and good for the Oklahoma Sooners and, and to see who's going to rise um, out of that competition. I do think it's going to be, you know, Deshaun McCullough is going to start at Cheetah. Rondo Bothroyd will be one of your defensive linemen, probably a defensive end in three and four man fronts and base packages push inside to defensive tackle um, on pass rushing in pass rushing situations. But uh, a lot of talent was added defensively. And so I think that gives Oklahoma a really strong outlook, you know, going into the 2023 season, you know, they're final in the big 12 and it gives them a chance to go out on a high note um, in the big 12 this year. Yeah, and obviously, I've told you how many times I think that I shouldn't say obviously because maybe it's not obvious to everybody out there, but it's obvious to me. Maybe it's not obvious to you. I, I do think it's important for Oklahoma to end its stay in the Big 12 where largely its stay was in the Big 12, and that's atop the Big 12 conference, to to leave this thing and to make 2022 a one-off bad year. I don't know what happened that season. It was the first time since uh, 98 that it happened to Oklahoma that they had a, a losing season or a, you know, even, you know, one game above 500 season had they, you know, won the bowl game. Obviously, it, it didn't play out that way for OU. But in this thing where, by and large, you've reigned in the Big 12, which is as the Big 12 champion, and I think about the conversation we had off the top, which is, future quarterback rankings in Oklahoma, no doubt has been the preeminent force of that in the Big 12 Conference and arguably in all of college football. So reestablish your perch on the way out of this thing, I think is, uh, I think it's really important, man, going into the SEC to have some momentum behind you. I think so too. It's, it's going to be a tough year when they do get there in 2024. Nobody's going to wait for Oklahoma to have a transition year. It's, you get in, you sink or swim. So, Going out on a high note, creating some positive momentum, positive pub before you know for that 2024 recruiting class. Before we get there, it's all gravy, baby. Uh, now let's talk a little bit of NFL draft stuff because Oklahoma is hosting a pro day. Who do you think Josh needs to have a big time pro day to to get a get a chance at the NFL? We know Anton Harrison is going to be a fringe first round pick. Marvin Mims could go in the second, um, but who are the guys that really need to have a big pro day? to to solidify their draft stock in in 2023 well i think cj colden is probably for guys that didn't go to the combine that's probably the the biggest storyline you know how does he test how does he run he had a nice little close to the end of last season for oklahoma 
and you know what he was able to do in the PBU game and in interceptions and in coverage. He's he's got a chance, I think, John, to impress some people with you know how he tests tomorrow at Oklahoma, and then you know mixing mixing that with the tape and what this coaching staff I think will tell NFL teams tomorrow about CJ Colden. So if he has a really really big day, that uh, that could help him. I'm also curious, you know, there's. Uh, you know, there's some guys that we want to see him run a little bit, right? Braden Willis, right, needs to run the 40. Eric Gray, we'll see uh, if he's going to run the 40. Those two guys, I think, could could help themselves a little bit with good times there. Again, I would probably say for me, C.J. Colden, the biggest story, but there's some other ones right there as well. Yeah, and I think a guy like Jalen Redmond can really help himself too if he does well in, like, the bench uh, if he continues to show off that explosiveness that he showed at the NFL combine, he builds on that. I think it could help push him from being what's right now projected like fourth, fifth, sixth round guy to maybe getting a little bit higher. You know, really injuries have been his issue. He's got production. He's got the skill set. He's got that, you know, the traits that NFL teams covet from interior defensive linemen. Now it's just a matter of, okay, can he stay healthy? And I think that's going to be one of the things that people look at. Uh, you talked about Braden Willis. I mean, uh, who was a Jordan Reed did a seven round mock draft over for ESPN um, today or yesterday. And Braden Willis was nowhere to be found. I scrolled that thing two times to make sure I didn't miss him. Uh, and I was shocked, man. I really was because the number one thing that these, you know, yes, they're looking for receivers. They're looking for guys that can impact the passing game, a Mark Andrews type. But there are very few of those dudes that are available in the draft, and generally they're going to go in the first or second round if you got them. But they also want dudes that can come in and be impact blockers from day one, you, guys that you don't have to teach how to block because then you can throw them on special teams. You can make them their tight end two, tight end three. And Braden Willis, to me, he's like an automatic tight end three for somebody at minimum. I think he could be a tight end two for a lot of teams in the NFL, pushing for a starting job at some point in a couple of years with a little bit of development just on the, the, the finer points of being a receiver. So I was a little bit surprised to see that maybe, you know, this guy, Jordan Reed wasn't as high on him as maybe I am or other draft analysts. I see from, you know, across the Twitter sphere, like people are pretty high on Braden Willis because of what he can do in the blocking game. And so I think a, a good session as a, as a passer or a pass receiver for him at pro day could probably answer a few questions for NFL scouts and GMs. If he does have a, a strong one, if he shows off good explosion in, you know, in the, the three cone or in the, the, the short shuttle, or if he does really well in the L drill, things like that shows off agility. I think it could help push him into a draftable, you know, grade for a lot of, a lot of teams. Yeah. And this is obviously just one site's opinion, but uh, NFL draft buzz has Braden Willis listed as it's 19th tight end on the board, which I mean, honestly tells me that there must be some really good uh, tight ends out there the way people are feeling about this draft. So, I mean, maybe that's working against him a little bit, but I, I hear what you're saying. Y you know, I, I think that because he's able to do both catch the football, uh, you know, run after the catch, obviously uh, able to get in and block as well. I would think that even if he's undrafted, John, and, and I think he's got a chance to help himself get drafted with a nice performance tomorrow. Don't get me twisted. But even if he winds up as an undrafted guy, I think he's got a chance to impress some people through that undrafted free agency process, get into a camp, and then latch on 
and uh, and earn a job that way. And sometimes that's the path, uh, unfortunately, you have to take. Hopefully, that's not the case for him. But uh, even if that winds up being the case, I don't think I don't think his story's done if he doesn't get drafted. No, not at all. He's going to land on a team for training camp at some point, and he'll earn himself a roster spot. He'll be an active member of a roster somewhere down the road, somewhere. Dallas Cowboys, make it happen. Please get my guy, Braden Willis, on your team. You need another tight end with Dalton Schultz uh, heading off to Houston and free agency. So make it happen, Captain Jerry Jones. Uh, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Again, we're free and available on all platforms and over on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. But until next time, he's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. And the show is on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. But until next time, Boomer Sooner.